The Chinese Coast Guard intercepted a tourist boat from Jingmen on Monday, a day after announcing regular patrols in the area. Six Chinese officials boarded the boat, which had veered off its path closer to China. After a half-hour inspection, the boat was escorted back to Jingmen by Taiwan's Coast Guard. Taiwan's Ocean Affairs Council has protested the incident, calling it regrettable. Last Sunday, China's Coast Guard announced regular patrols in the waters around Xiamen and Jinmen. The following afternoon, six Chinese Coast Guard officials stopped and boarded a Taiwanese sightseeing boat for a half-hour inspection. Taiwan's Coast Guard immediately sent ships to escort the Taiwanese vessel back to Jinmen. On Tuesday, Premier Chen Jianren reiterated the existence of prohibited and restricted areas in the waters near Jinmen and Xiamen. Back in 1992, the Ministry of National Defense demarcated prohibited and restricted zones in the area. Both sides of the strait can enforce the law in its own areas. We hope that both sides of the strait will be rational and engage in dialogue and work together to maintain safety in the waters near Jinmen and Xiamen. The sightseeing boat had departed from Jinmen Shreito Pier for a tour near the island. Due to shallow areas near Wushijiao, the boat was forced to veer toward China. It was intercepted by two Chinese Coast Guard vessels near the Taiwanese islands of Dadan and Erdan. Such actions hurt the feelings of the people, cause public panic, and are not in the interest of the people on both sides of the strait. The location of yesterday's incident was indeed closer to the mainland, but on the bases of cross-strait peace and goodwill, we find this interception regrettable. Ocean Affairs Council Minister Guan Biling said that if similar situations arise in the future, Taiwanese vessels can turn away to avoid interception and should immediately notify the Coast Guard for assistance. Electricity rates could go up for all users starting April. Economics Minister Wang Meihua ended at the hike on Tuesday, citing Tai Power's accumulated losses. An expert says that rates must be adjusted by at least 25% overall in order to offset Tai Power's losses. Electricity prices went up by an average of 11% last year, but that wasn't enough to offset Tai Power's losses. Economics Minister Wang Meihua says another price hike this year is inevitable. Electricity rates haven't been finalized yet, but given Tai Power's accumulated losses, it will face a financial crisis by the end of the year if the government doesn't set aside a budget to cover the losses or it will leave electricity prices unchanged. We're considering adjusting rates even for users of less than 330 kilowatt hours a month. Reports suggest that in April, rates for major high-voltage consumers will go up 10 percent. Rates are also set to rise for small businesses, low-voltage consumers, and even households that use less than 330 kilowatt hours a month. Just looking at Tai Power's losses last year, electricity rates will need to be raised between 25 and 30 percent. If the increase were to fall entirely on industrial users, they wouldn't be able to accept it. It would affect their competitiveness. The reports of a potential rate hike have rattled small businesses. It's not just electricity bills. The price of many raw materials has gone up. If rates go up for electricity, which we use every day, our daily expenses would pile up. Of course, that would put more pressure on us. Industrial users have also voiced concern about the potential rise. 
For example, currently, the semiconductor industry is growing quite fast. Every year, the central government has 400 billion NT to 500 billion NT in excess tax revenue. That money could perhaps be used to keep electricity rates from going up. If electricity rates go up in Taiwan, a problem that could arise is whether TSMC would continue production in Taiwan. Its competitors are China and South Korea, so our electricity prices should be more competitive than China's and South Korea's. We should also consider the rates in Malaysia and Indonesia. According to the International Energy Agency, Taiwan has the fifth lowest residential electricity rates in the world at just 2.6 NT per kilowatt hour. It also has the third cheapest rates for industrial users at 3.38 NT per kilowatt hour, outranked only by Malaysia and the U.S. Ahead of Lantern Festival on Saturday, Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Shimai made a return to his alma mater, Xingxing Primary School. The mayor joined the children in a traditional festival ceremony and handed out paper lanterns shaped like a dinosaur. This year, the city's free paper lanterns will be distributed directly at schools so that children don't need to wait in line at pickup points. Back at his alma mater, Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Chi Mai dots the eyes of a turtle as part of a lantern festival ceremony. He also gives the students a back-to-school gift, handheld lanterns in the shape of a dinosaur. He wishes the children a happy start of class after the winter break. Before, all the children would have to line up to get one. Sometimes grandpa and grandma would wait in line on their behalf because they love their grandkids so much. This is the first time we're handing the lanterns out at school. Everyone can get one. This year, Kaohsiung's Year of the Dragon Lanterns are being distributed at elementary schools and preschools instead of at designated pickup points. We used to have to line up for ages. If you arrived late, you'd be waiting even longer. Of course, it's more convenient not having to wait in line. Inside a classroom, Chen had light-hearted interactions with the children. This year, Kaohsiung's handheld lantern can be assembled into four different characters, all wearing a dinosaur suit. There's the ever-popular yellow rubber duck, Kaohsiung's mascot hero, a rabbit, and a blank face for a character of your own. When I was assembling mine, I realized it's actually a bit hard. It's not that easy to put together. So I hope parents can work on it with their children. The rubber duck exhibition will be up until February 25th, so I hope everyone will go see it with the lanterns. Faculty brought out the yearbook from Chen's graduating class, the 27th cohort to graduate from the elementary school. The mayor looked through the photos of his early years, sharing his memories with the children. An Airbus Beluga made a rare landing in Taiwan on Monday. The plane, which is made to carry airplane parts and outsized cargo, arrived at Taoyuan International Airport for refueling at 10.23 p.m. There are only five Belugas in the world, and this one attracted a flock of aviation fans. I got here at 4 in the afternoon today. I missed it the last time and didn't want to let it slip away again. The body can be opened up to load special cargo. This time, the plane was carrying helicopters. The Airbus A300-600R, which the Beluga is based on, requires tremendous effort to learn to fly and handle in emergency situations. I have a deep impression of this type of aircraft.
The beluga is nearly the height of a three-story building. It has a cargo hold of 1,400 cubic meters, which is the equivalent to 36 cars or seven elephants. This particular beluga is scheduled to depart Taiwan on Wednesday at 5 a.m. The first impression most people have of Boracay in the Philippines is of white sandy beaches and pristine seas. But apart from its gorgeous vistas, many Taiwanese also fall in love with the island's unique culture. Vesta is one such convert to the Boracay lifestyle, where she has lived for 17 years. Originally a tour guide, Vesta now sells a taste of home from her very own shaved ice shop. Powdery soft sheets that fall like snow is the hallmark of Taiwanese shaved ice. Now people in Boracay can enjoy the decadent dessert thanks to Vesta. Hello, hello. Vesta moved to the Philippine island from Taiwan 17 years ago. She fell in love at first sight, resolving at once to move there. The first time I came to Boracay was in 2000. I loved it, so in 2007 I decided to move here. I did a lot of odd jobs before, like guiding tours. Then in 2018 I had a child. I couldn't lead tours anymore. So I figured if I can bring Taiwanese technology here and combine it with popular Philippine fruits, it could be a way to make a living. She has already opened two locations, selling down to life in Boracay. But she's not the only one who's fallen in love with the island. In 2008, I came on the first direct flight from Taiwan on May 27th. It's been 16 or 17 years. I've always been a tour guide. I've opened two restaurants, a karaoke spot, a nightclub, and invested in a diver's resort. All kinds of stuff, but most closed during the pandemic. There are only four or five left. But as long as this beach is here, this 4.7-kilometre white sand beach, the tourists will come. The more seasoned travel to Boracay can also visit one of its indigenous villages. <laughs> Off on the east coast is an Ati village more than 200 strong. <laughs> this general store supplies the entire village, crammed full of everything you might need. If you get a little closer, you can smell the pungent aroma of dried fish. Most of this stuff is bought by villagers. I love this coffee, for instance. I'll remember what snacks and food they like to eat and prepare it for them. The simplicity of island life is clear to see. Even tourists can get a feel for the vestiges of days past. The tourists are all like me, wading through the water to take a picture with the Virgin Mary. This is a popular attraction in Boracay. At every high tide, the water will creep up to her feet. It's said that the early inhabitants would come here to pray whenever they were going out to sea. In addition to the tourist attractions, water activities are a must, imbued with a special local flair. Two sails catch the wind to propel the boat forward. Made of wood and bamboo, the traditional sailboat does not have any mechanical components, relying solely on the wind to travel. This pearl of ancient wisdom now carries countless visitors to enjoy the stunning Boracay sunset. The 32nd Taipei International Book Exhibition kicked off on Tuesday, drawing crowds to the World Trade Center. One highlight is the Reading Wonderland special exhibition where books are presented on a merry-go-round and a pirate ship. This year's digital pavilion doesn't feature a single book or publication. Instead, visitors are invited to play and explore to be the author of their very own adventure. 
At Exhibition Hall 1 of the Taipei World Trade Center, book lovers wait with bags and even a suitcase to stock up on original comics and novels. Taiwan's biggest publishing event of the year is here. I've pre-ordered nine books and will decide on other purchases once I'm inside. My budget is 3,000 NT. The annual Taipei International Book Exhibition opened on Tuesday, featuring 509 publishers across 34 countries, as well as 400 reading events. For the first time in its 32 years, the book fair is also hosting a pavilion without books. Children enter their names on a tablet before answering a few questions. With a few taps of the screen, they can create a personalized adventure tale. In the past, such pavilions were commonly used to introduce e-readers. But e-readers tend to be more about consumption. The most important thing is actually whether people can own their digital reading experience. At the Digital Pavilion, the focus is on communication between reader and text. At another corner of the fair, visitors can speak directly to their local bookstore. There's a vintage telephone set up by the Taiwan Association for Independent Bookshop Culture. Pick up the receiver, turn the dial, and record your personal message. We will take the recordings and forward them to bookstores. What we hope is that these audio messages can capture sentiments that written words can't convey. This pavilion probably has the highest density of authors, editors and designers of all areas in the fair. Just step inside and you'll bump into an author or a designer. We welcome everyone to come right in and engage with us in dialogue. Another highlight is the Reading Wonderland exhibition, created by 40 publishers and 32 NGOs. This fantastical space features a merry-go-round, a pirate ship, and coffee cups as shelves for books. In 2023, the book fair attracted some 500,000 visitors. It's back this year with even more to enjoy to foster the love of reading in Taiwan. The Taipei International Book Exhibition had some very special guests on its first day, including President Tsai Ing-wen and Vice President Lai Ching-de. Tsai was spotted at the fair's Reading Wonderland, which featured a pirate ship and a merry-go-round as whimsical book displays. As for Lai, he spent a whole afternoon at the book fair wandering through a dozen booths. He even dug into his pockets to buy more than 20 books, including titles about China. The president-elect was asked if he intends to read his entire book haul. Lai assured media that he will finish them all before his inauguration. One of the DPP's new legislators is a newbie to politics, but she might be a familiar face. Guo Yuqing shot to stardom in the early 90s for her role in the TV drama Spicy Teacher. She's also known for pioneering artwork in the world of miniatures. She has always been interested in politics, but as she shared with FTV, did not originally plan to go up for election this year. That was until she got a message from an unusual headhunter. Light boxes and signs come to light. The freezer is stocked full of fish. This seafood store is in the midst of a busy day. The miniature scene was created by new lawmaker Guo Yuqing. This is a type of art that everyone can understand. It's not difficult like an abstract painting. You can look at that and think, huh, this is art? I don't get it, don't you? Children can get this and adults find it comforting too. In 2004, I published a book. It was Taiwan's first book in Chinese with pictures explaining how to get started making these. Making miniatures is her passion and one of her fields of expertise. Her work is exhibited in museums, and she once won a silver medal for it. 
She rolls a grain of clay in her fingers, gently shaping it into a flower petal. It's a test of the finger's flexibility and strength as well as eyesight. Guo completed this seafood store in her spare time over three months. A single store basket can take four hours. The fun is in the sense of achievement when it's all done. It's either a test of patience or you won't be able to stop once you start. It's so exhausting, actually. It's pain and pleasure. Two years ago, blue and yellow orchids were developed to symbolize Taiwan's support for Ukraine. Guo made this miniature to commemorate the event. Over 30 years as an actor, Guo was always interested in politics and regularly publicly expressed her views on animal protection and educational issues. Going into politics wasn't in my career plan at this stage. I thought maybe the time will be right in a couple of years. I was saying in two years, maybe 2026. But then a couple of days later, I got a private message on Facebook from the assistant of former DPP chair Zhou Rongtai. Guo was surprised to be headhunted, but accepted the offer. Guo found fame with her role as Teacher One in Spicy Teacher decades ago, and won a forever place in many fans' hearts. Now she hopes to make a different kind of impression in the legislature. Next, we take a glimpse behind the scenes at one of Taiwan's most prestigious venues, Taipei Guesthouse. The state guesthouse at Number 1 Katagalan Boulevard was home to the most powerful man in Taiwan during the Japanese colonial era. Now, the imposing building is a venue for state banquets and visiting dignitaries. It has welcomed numerous global figures, including U.S. President Bill Clinton. FTV took an exclusive tour around the house and its grounds. Stepping onto the grounds of Taipei Guest House on Ketagalan Boulevard, you're awed by the magnificence. The building was the official residence of the Governor General during the Japanese colonial era and hosted visiting Japanese dignitaries and members of the imperial family. The Western Hall is the main building. Its east wing contains a meeting room where President Chen Shui-bian welcomed U.S. President Clinton. The decor is stunning. Heading up the stairs to the second floor, you're met by a series of gold-plated carvings and a French chandelier at the very top. The art, some of it 100 years old, is breathtaking. Walking along the red-carpeted corridor on the east wing, guests arrive at the banquet hall of the west wing. After major renovations in 2006, Taipei Guesthouse became a site where the president would host foreign dignitaries every year and hold the all-important National Day Banquet. It's a major venue for state banquets, hosting former Japanese Prime Minister Taro Aso in August last year and Paraguayan President Santiago Peña Palacios in July, as well as UK Prime Minister Liz Truss and Czech Speaker Marketa Pekarová Adamová in May. Last year, U.S. Speaker Nancy Pelosi also visited Taiwan, an event fresh in many people's memories, and she too was received here. The number of tables in the banquet hall is adjusted according to the number of guests. On the right is a stairway that leads straight down to the grounds, a traditional Japanese garden with a waterway, leisure pavilions, stone bridges, and landscapes, hills, and waterfalls. There's even a family of ten black swans roaming the garden. Most unusual is this tea tree, planted in 1925 by Japanese Prince Chichibu, soon to celebrate its 100th birthday. 
Right now, we're in the Japanese pavilion of Taipei Guest House. It's not usually open to the public. You can see the floor in this room is tatamis, and it adopts a traditional Japanese architectural style. This room was the residence of the Governor General during the Japanese colonial era. The Guest House is a national historic site and is open to the public just one day a month. Today, we got a glimpse behind the curtain of this rarefied destination. We're getting a break from winter weather this week with a big warm-up nationwide. Temperatures reach 30 degrees or above at more than 100 weather stations. But the trend is expected to be short-lived. According to the Central Weather Administration, warm weather will only stick around for another day before an incoming front turns the north cool and rainy on Thursday. February and March are a period of seasonal change in Taiwan. Cold fronts will continue to have an impact, but they will gradually weaken. And as they weaken, we'll see warmer temperatures if other conditions are present. However, nighttime temperatures will still be cooler due to the lack of direct sunlight. After the incoming front passes on Thursday, strong northeasterlies will keep conditions cold and rainy in the north and east coast. Daytime highs will drop to 20 degrees, while nighttime lows could fall to 15. Another cold front will follow next Monday, possibly sending temperatures even lower.